Thank you so much for tuning in to the Providence Community Podcast. We just, we pray today that God would do amazing things in your heart as you listen to this message. And uh, we ask for just the richest blessing on your family. And if you would like some more information about Providence Community Church, you can go to www.providencecommunity.org or you can also download our app in the App Store. We're so thankful that you tuned in and uh, we can't wait to celebrate all that God does in your life. Well, I guess it's part of the initiation process that everybody just kind of walks off and leaves me standing here. So. Don't mess it up. I can't get fired on my first day, right? Right? I'm good? All right, cool. Well, listen, I wanted to share with you guys uh, my testimony. Um, it's it's, uh, um, it's a little difficult sometimes to talk about things that you've gone through, and, and when you look back at where you came from and where you started, and um, I, I got to tell you, I'm so thankful and appreciative of, of this, this honor that you've given me and this ability just to serve you guys more, um, to be able to stand with the other volunteer pastors at Providence, um, such good, good men, and I'm uh, very, very humbled uh, to be part of that. Very humbled, and <clears throat> that's kind of where I want to where I want to start because I always kind of thought that was a weird expression. Whenever something like this happens, to say I'm humbled, right? I mean, like people, you know, you see it all the time in sports. Somebody, you know, drops a three pointer at the buzzer to win. Is that like a basketball thing you can say? Yeah. I, don't, I don't like basketball, but it sounded basketball-y, so you know. But yeah, and then, you know, they get in the interview afterwards, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled, so humbled to be able to be, uh, you know, a part of this team. And uh, for me, um, that was a long road to get to this place of, of humility where I could actually understand what it meant. And um, I'm so convinced as I look back, I'm almost 50, um, I've been on this road for a little while, and it's so obvious that God was not going to let me uh, be a pastor until I got this. Like, there's, there, if, if it was my way, um, I, I felt like I received my calling when I was 33. When I was 34, I'd have been an ordained pastor. And uh, God's like, yeah, no, you're not quite ready for that. So thank, thank God for that. So um, for you to really kind of understand where I'm coming from, I, I kind of got to start pretty far back. Um, I was born and raised in a uh, Roman Catholic family, which were really awesome, good, good, godly people. I had uh, two brothers and a sister, have two brothers and a sister, um, who... Uh, we were kids, typical kids, like we, we fought, you know, we, we got along sometimes. We loved each other, we hated each other, like all within an hour. And uh, it was a lot of fun, it was a lot of, a lot of fun. School was a different story for me. School was, was really, really, really hard for me. I didn't do well in school, socially. Um, started really when I was in third grade, and um, <clears throat> I'll forego the stories, but um, I struggled. And, uh, I, you know, nobody really thought much of me in school. I didn't think much of myself in school. My teachers didn't think a whole lot of me in school. And I um, tried really hard to kind of hide this from my parents. I didn't want them to be disappointed or, you know, upset with me or, or, or whatever. Um, so I put on a pretty good show at home. But uh, school was terrible. And it um, <clears throat> didn't take long before I was like, you know, all I really wanted, guys, was to be liked. I just really wanted to have value. I wanted people to think more of me. And I tried so hard to make that happen. And you guys know, and I know now, the harder you try something like that, the worse it is. You know what I mean? The harder you try to, to please people, the less pleased people are with you. And so I was in this vicious cycle. 
Um, <clears throat> and so that, that's kind of when I came out of school, you know, I carried a lot of that with me where I, I just wanted to be liked. I really just, just really wanted to be liked. I wanted to have value. I wanted to have worth. I wanted to think more of myself. And um, somewhere around the age of 20, I left the, the Catholic Church and um, started going to independent churches, an E-Free Church, a Baptist Church, and me and my wife kind of hopped around a little bit. And I, 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 it became pretty apparent pretty fast that church is a place where the harder you work, the more you're liked. Okay, like the, the more you strive, people, oh, you're doing great, you know, you're, you're awesome, we love you, this and that. And I, I, I just ate it up. I loved it. I, I loved that church was a place where all I had to do to get value and worth for myself was just to bust my butt. You know what I mean? And I did. I mean, I got into everything that I could. My motto was, uh, if God opens the door, I'll walk through it. Okay? Which honestly had nothing to do with God whatsoever. Okay? My, what, what, what the truth of it was is if you ask, I'll say yes. Okay? God had really nothing to do with it. I just wanted to be liked. You know, I wanted to be affirmed. I wanted uh, people to, to care about me. And so that's how I lived for quite a while. And, and you can imagine that costs, okay? That kind of attitude costs a lot. And who it costs was my family a lot. And um, it wasn't very long before uh, I really began to alienate my wife to the church and my kids to the church because I put her in competition with it. There were so many times I, I would pick the church over her. And, you know, she obviously wasn't real happy about it. She didn't enjoy going to church anymore. She didn't, my time, my, my uh, best friend at the time was my pastor, who I, I love with all my heart. He's still a really good guy. He did so much to help me get to where I am today. Um, but yeah, I mean, like she, she didn't like him, okay, because of the, of the time that he took from her of me. And so, you know, that, that's kind of how things went for a little while. And um, so, my wife and family left that church. It's at that church that I, that I actually got credentialed. I got a calling from God, and I, I believe this would be a legitimate calling at the age of 33 to be a, to be a pastor, to be a minister. And um, it was one of those panic moments for myself, okay, because I'm driving down the road. Um, I'm in a good job. You know what I mean? Things are going really well, and all of a sudden, God just hits me over the head with this thing where, you know, I want you to be a pastor. And I was like, that's impossible. That's absolutely impossible. I'm 33 years old. I got a good job. I got dead up to here. You know, there's no possible way for me to go back to school and be a pastor. And I pulled off in the road and I'm hyperventilating and I'm having a panic attack. It was terrible. You know, I'm like on the side of the road, just having a total meltdown, called up my best friend pastor. I'm like, I missed it. I missed it. You know, and he's like, well, what, what, did, you know, what did you miss? I'm like, I missed it. And he's like, all right, calm down. You know, and I'm wiping my eyes, you know, and all this stuff. He's like, what did you miss? He's like, what did you miss? And I'm like, I was supposed to have been a pastor, and I missed it. I, you know, what do I do? You know, what, and he's like, well, listen. He's like, you know, if God's calling you now to be a pastor, then now's when you're to be a pastor. It wasn't 20 years ago. It's now. And I'm like, I, I can't. It's impossible. You know, I was supposed to have been this guy that, that I can no longer be. And he's like, he assured me, listen, God will open doors. If it's now's your time, God will open doors. And sure enough, within a week, God opened doors up, and I was able to go back to this uh, ministry school to, for uh, like a four-year intense study to be a pastor. And it was hard, and again, it was really hard on my family because like almost every spare moment I had went into this. I mean, I, was, I could go down the list of things that I had to do every month for this class. For four years, I did this. And, and the whole time I'm doing this, 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of like alienating, you know, my family, but I'm developing this sense of worth and value, not, not in God, but in my knowledge. For four years, I was studying my tail off, and I'm developing this really solid systematic theology and all these great things and, and, and putting value in that and realizing after that that, that I, I had no relationship with God. Somehow I'd become a pastor in a church, an associate pastor in a church, you know, leading youth group, preaching once a month, drumming, doing sound, and the list goes on and on, and did not have a relationship with God. And I was like, how is that even possible? And I, I told my pastor about it. I said, I, gotta, I just got to stop. I just got to stop. I got to back out. I, you know, I got you know, to figure out what's going on here because something's terribly wrong. He was cool about it. He kind of helped me through it. But uh, in the meantime, my wife and family kind of had enough. They, they started going to this place called Providence. You may have heard of it. Um, and they're like, they were coming here for like five months. And they're like, you have to come to Providence you have to come to Providence. And you know, if you come to Providence, you're never going to want to go anywhere else, right? I'm like, well, I can't go to Providence, right? Because I'm up to here in responsibility. Everybody at this church knows, Nathan, that if I walk out that door, the whole church is going to fall apart. You know what I mean? And this is what is going through my head. It's like, I couldn't possibly do that. They'll be, you know, totally in chaos without me there, you know, and this is how my brain works. So, so anyhow, um, I, didn't, I didn't come to Providence for quite a while. And uh, like I said, it was like five months later, um, I decided to, but it was for really, really bad reasons. Because, I don't know, maybe two years before this, I started desiring vocational ministry work, which means I wanted to get paid. You know, I wanted to get paid for all this. And I don't know where this came from, but it just started to just permeate my thought process every time I started thinking about church is like I, I, I got to get paid I got to get paid and you know and the, the reason if you were to ask me like well what's what's so big about that I'd be like well because if I can get paid that means I can quit my secular job and I can devote more time to God in ministry which even as I said it it didn't didn't feel right didn't sound right you know what I mean but I, I didn't know exactly exactly why so I left that church because there was, it was about a 70-member church, and I'd been a volunteer pastor there for uh, four years or so. And um, I kind of started realizing there's no way I'm going to get paid here. Church is too small, you know what I mean? And, and um, I'm already doing everything they could possibly want me to do, so why would they pay me, right? I can't lose my job on the first day, right? I, this is making me look really bad, right? I'm this close? I'm this close? Okay. So... Um, so yeah, so uh, I came to Providence because I'm thinking, you know what, that's a pretty big church. You know what I mean? I bet, I bet at Providence, within a couple years at the most, I could be on staff, okay? And, and you know, I don't even know if I said that out loud to myself, but I, I knew in my heart that's why I was coming here. That's why I was coming here. And I mean, I jumped in with both feet. My, literally, my first day, I'm pretty positive, my first day here, I was on the sound team. I was setting up sound my very first day here. Wasn't long, you know, the, the youth group didn't have a leader at the time. Nathan asked me if I would uh, do youth group for like six weeks until, you know, they hired somebody. So I did that. And uh, um, I was involved with children ministry uh, a lot. Like Mike and I just kind of uh, teamed up on that and just tore that up until we hired somebody to take that position. And... Um, 
And so I gave everything I had to Providence. And like good, uh, meaning people would come up to me and say, you know you're famous at Providence, do you know that? And, and what they were trying to do was encourage me, but what they were really doing was feeding this problem that I had. Because that's what I wanted. I wanted to be famous at Providence. I wanted to have value from you guys. I wanted to feel good about myself because of you guys. And I used you in that way. I did. And so I kind of, again, all this, you got to understand, all this kind of happened, and I didn't really realize exactly what's going on. Because if I'd been able to say that to myself out loud, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have continued down that road. But I, I kind of hit it for myself, if that's even possible. So, um, wow. So, um, so, not long after that, this position of um, children's director became available, right? And I'm like, ah, here we go. Here we go. Here's my, here's my big chance, right? And I was kind of playing it cool. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I didn't even put my application in because I'm thinking, they'll come to me. You know, I say, Ed, you know, you've been doing this for so long. You're such a great guy, you know. So I'm kind of waiting by the phone for a little while, and nobody ever calls, and I'm like, that's kind of odd. You know what I mean? Like, why are they bothering wasting time? So I couldn't check this out. So I call up Mike, and I'm like, so Mike, buddy, you got this position available. Is there any point in me of putting my application maybe in for this position? You know what I mean? And honestly, I, I was literally, I'm not kidding you. I'm thinking, I really thought Mike at that moment was going to say, Dude, we've been waiting for you to call. We've been waiting for this application, but we didn't want to be pushy. And I'm like, I, I kind of was thinking through my head how I'm going to respond to this. This is how far down this road I went. But Mike says, hmm, well, you know, I'm going away to Africa for, you know, a week or two. Um, let me think about it. Let me think about it because I don't want to waste your time with the application. And I know you don't want to waste our time with going through the whole interview process if it's just not going to happen. And I'm like, Okay, you know, I guess, you know. And so that was kind of like, I was, you know, my wife will tell you all this stuff. I was like talking to her like, what is the point? Like, why are we waiting on this? You know what I mean? So Mike gets back and, you know, so I call Mike up, you know. Why I had to call him, I don't know. I thought he'd call me. <laughs> but call Mike up. I was like, did you reach a decision yet? He's like, yeah. He says, why don't I come on over and we'll talk about it. Cool. Mike comes on over. We're downstairs in my den and he's like, yeah, so um, we thought, I thought about it, prayed about it. We talked to a couple people, and yeah, we just don't think that this is a position for you. And, um, you know, I was over in Africa. We met this guy named Marcel, who's really awesome. We think we're going to interview him for that. Yeah, right? So um, normally when something like that happens, I'm pretty cool about it. You know what I mean? Like I can control my emotion, put up a good front. I was not cool about it. I was not cool about it. Mike was just, he just kind of dropped that news on me, and I'm like, Mike, how can that be? How can that be? How can you tell me, you feel the anger? How can you tell me that I'm not even worth considering for this position? And I've been there before, guys. I mean, like, how can it possibly be? And he's like, uh, well, you know, we just, that's, you know, you're, you're just not the man for that job. I'm like, you know, and I'm like, all right, okay. Well, we had other things to cover. I said, let's just move on and get this other stuff covered. And he's like, no, 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 let's just back up here a second. Okay, he's like, let me ask you a couple questions. He's like, first, so I've been working with you in kids ministry now for, you know, a couple months. Do you really like kids that much? 
well, you know, if I was getting paid to like the kids, you know, so. And he's like, well, do you, do you not like your job? And I love my job. You know, I love getting up in the morning. Okay. Um, do you, could you take the position if I offered it to you financially speaking? And I'm like, well, no, I guess I couldn't. And he's like, well, what's the problem? Like, wh 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 why are you so emotional about this? Why are you so upset because you can't get a job that you couldn't take anyhow? And, and, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. And so Mike took some time, and he worked through this with me, okay? And it took months. And, and you guys know that when you know something in your head, it takes a long time for your heart to catch up, right? And so Mike started showing me in my, in my mind what my problem was. And here's what it is, guys. This is why I, I never knew why I wanted to get paid so bad. I didn't know. But through a lot of work, he was able to help me figure that out. And the reason I want to get paid so bad is because this thing in my mind that I built up to be my worth and my value and everything about me that was important was the work that I would do in a church. And if any of that was going to be true, then it needed to be validated. Or I was just somebody else who was working their butt off in the church. And the way it could be validated is if you were actually willing to pay me to do that. And it was just like, I get it. I get it. I understand now why I so badly wanted to get paid so that my value could be confirmed and that you could prove it to me that I was worth something to you. And so this whole thing started, um, this whole thing, uh, man, I got so many verses I wanted to cover here. I'm not going to get to half of them, but that's okay because here's, here's the hole that this left in my heart. Okay, great. I get it. I understand it. I've been building up my value in the wrong places. I've been building my, building my worth up in the wrong places. I hope some of you can start tracking with me on this in your lives. But then the, whole, the, then the thing was, okay, well, then where is my value? Like, where is my value? Where's my worth? And, and here's the thing, guys. I've studied Scripture, and the verses I want to take you to, we'll go to Ephesians 2. This is, this is where I started to find my answers. I taught on this so many times. This, this passage is that I'm going to take you guys to. And it never, I never let it into my heart. And I began to realize that the big problem that I had in my life was I did not love God. I did not love God. I didn't, I didn't not love God, if you follow me. But I didn't have, God was not the reason for my life. God was not the point in my life at all. I had no personal relationship with him at all. And so I started reading in Ephesians 2, 1 to 6. This kind of will explain a little bit of where I came from and where I'm heading to. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of death. Right by now you're saying, what in the world does this have to do with anything you're talking about? Because what we just talked about was people before they became a Christian. And I looked at that, and the last thing that it says is that they, they spend their time great, um, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And I realized that was me. Even as a Christian, that was my motivation, that I was gratifying the cravings of my flesh and following, the, following its desires and thoughts, not following godly ambitions, but following worldly amb ambitions 
in a godly setting, in his house. That sounds so bad when I just said that. But he says this about us now, that we're Christians. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in, in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a mystery here. There's a big mystery here because he keeps using the words with Christ and in Christ as he starts talking about our worth and our value and where we have our salvation. And if we were to go to Romans 6, and let's just go there, and I gotta, I gotta, I'm afraid, cut a few things here. But this explains this big mystery of where my worth actually comes from because what it tells me in Romans 6 is, or don't you know that um, all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so to get this, you've got to understand what baptism means. Baptism means it just doesn't mean to be submerged into and taken out of. That's the picture that um, we use to describe what actual baptism is. If you were to take a white rag and you were to dip it in red dye, it would come out and it would have the characteristics of the red dye. You would now describe that white rag as a, red ra as a red rag. It would be changed. It would be different. It would take on the value of the thing that it was submerged into. Scripture tells us that we were submerged into the person of Christ. We were baptized into the person of Christ. And therefore, that's my defining attribute now, is Jesus. And if you start reading through these scriptures, guys, you'll see over and over and over again, and I'm not just talking Romans. Anywhere you go, he starts talking about who you are in Christ, who you are in Christ. Because here's what happened. When you became a Christian, guys, you were baptized into the person of Christ and you became passive participants in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's what he tells us in scriptures here as we, go, as we read it again. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There it is. There it is. There's my worth. It's who I am in Christ. It's not Ed. It's, it's Ed baptized into the person of Christ. I get Jesus' righteousness now. I get to be called a son of God. You get to be called a daughter of God because of who you are in Christ, because Jesus is a son of God and you're baptized into the person of Jesus, you are now a son and daughter of God. There's a really awesome mechanics to all this incredible things, guys, that, that, that we just read over and we gloss over. So Jesus is now my righteousness. And in Philippians 3, 7, 11, we read about that. But whatever, we gain, uh, whatever, gains, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Let me read that again. But whatever were gains to me, everything that I've talked about, everything that I found value in myself before this, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Does that make some more sense now? I lost everything that I thought was valuable, everything that I thought gave me worth, everything that I thought counted for something in myself is gone. It's lost. 
And it was worth it because now I have the righteousness of Jesus because of who I am in him, in Jesus. In verse, uh, I can't really even see what it is. It says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and, the participation, and to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in death and somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Last week, Nathan said something that, that I just thought was really, really cool. He said this. He said, uh, what did he say? He said, I don't care about what you know. I care about what you want. He said, I don't care about what you know. He says, I care about what you want. Which floored me because everything up to that point had been about what I knew. That's where my value system came from. You know, I was here about six months before I realized that Nathan could bury me under the table theologically any day of the week without breaking a sweat. And I'm not kidding. He really can. You know what's really also remarkable about that? It took me six months to realize that because Nathan has no desire whatsoever to bury me theologically under the table. What Nathan wants is for me to know Christ and for you to know Christ. That's the, that's the, the amazing thing about providence. It's the amazing thing about being here. Deep and intense study, guys, has its purpose. It has its place. That deep and intense study is to lead you to a deeper understanding of the deep and intense love that Jesus has for you. That's his purpose. That's his place. I can say to you, I don't care about what you know. Personally, I don't care about what you know anymore. I care about who you want. Something happened along the way. Um, I didn't expect it. I, did, I didn't look for it so much. It just happened. I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus. That's what I want for you. I don't care what you know. I just want you to love Jesus. I just want you to love Jesus. I think it's a good time to pray. God. Jesus, I love you. I love you with all my heart. I'm thankful for what you've done in my life, what you've shown me, God, about you, about who I am in you. God, with all my heart, I want that for everybody in this room. With all my heart, I want everybody in this room to love you. Because without you, there's no purpose. There's no lasting value. There's nothing that's even worthwhile. We give it all up as worthless for the surpassing knowledge of knowing you, of loving you, Jesus. I pray for you in this room that do not know Jesus. You maybe, are, you maybe trust him as your savior. You maybe figure that he's worthwhile to come to church on Sundays. 
you would confess them to a friend if they asked you how you know you're going to heaven, but you don't love them. You don't love them. I pray, God, that you would just fill that person with so much desire and love in their heart for their Savior, that is all they want to talk about. That it wrecks their life like it wrecked mine. That you, Jesus, are now, from this moment forward, going to be the defining attribute, the defining characteristic of that person's life. We lift you up, we praise you, we love you with all our hearts. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.